Well, Bethesda, it is so good to see you this morning. For those of you who I haven't had the privilege or opportunity to meet, my name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, I've asked a few people to help me this morning. Um, when I was young and growing up, I played a game called Simon Says. Has anyone ever played Simon Says before? And the whole premise of Simon Says is just simply this. The person who's in charge will say, Simon Says, touch your nose. Simon Says, do this, and then you do it. But if Simon doesn't say, then you're not supposed to do it. And so I just wanted to illustrate this really quick. Um, and so I've asked these students to come and help us. And we'll, uh, what's your name, sir? Uh, Kirk Williams. All right, this is Kirk. Give Kirk a hand. All right. Hannah. Hannah. Smith. Were you on that list that Josh just read? No. no? Okay. All right. So this is Hannah and Grace Whitmore. This is Grace. All right. So give them a hand really quick. So we're going to play Simon Says, and we're going to see who, who is the winner here this morning. All right, so you guys ready? Okay, all right, so Simon Says, clap your hands. Simon Says, uh, stop. Simon Says, clap your hands. Stop. Did anyone stop? No? Okay, Simon Says, stop. Touch your nose. Simon Says, touch your nose. Simon Says, stand on one foot. Simon Says, don't touch your nose. All right, so you can go and have a seat. Thank you so much. All right, you guys can stay. You can put your foot down. You can put your foot down. Simon says, put your foot down. All right, Simon says, clap. Stop. Simon says, stop. Simon says, touch your ear. Simon says, walk in place. Simon says, put your hand down. All right, thank you so much. Kirk is our winner. All right, he gets a $10 gift card to the coffee shop, all right? Make sure, yes. Make sure you tithe on that, Kirk, okay? All right. So when, when I was growing up, I played that game, and in, in Christianity and in spirituality, sometimes when I grew up in the church, I felt like following Jesus was this giant game of Jesus says. Jesus says, read your Bible. Jesus says, pray. Jesus says, go to church. Jesus says, give. Jesus says, Jesus says, Jesus says. And, and I, I would get tired of the game because I wasn't good at it. And, and so I would end up sitting out of the game. And I would say, Jesus, I, I just can't play the game. I'm, I'm just not good enough to play the game, Jesus says. But then I'd go to camp or I'd go to youth convention and, and I'd get back in the game. A speaker would challenge me. And so I would get back in this game of, of Jesus says again. And, and I would start reading my Bible and praying and doing all the things that Jesus was telling me that I should be doing. But then I would get so judgmental because I would see people who weren't playing the Jesus Says game. And I'm like, hey, if I'm going to be miserable, then you're going to be miserable. Now, you need to play the Jesus Says game. Now, you need to get in the game. And you need to play along because, because this is just so hard for me. And, and then I, I figured out that when I was doing good, when I was doing all the things that Jesus said to do, I would get arrogant and conceited and, and, and I would point at other people and say, they're not playing the game, Jesus. Look how good I'm doing. Look how good Michael's doing at playing the Jesus says game. And it just, it just didn't work. 
And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online this morning, or maybe you've come back to church because you grew up in, in a religious system or in Christianity or in some faith or, or in some spirituality that was all about do, 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 don't, 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 do, 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 don't, 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 do, 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 don't, don't, don't. And you were finally like, you know what, I just can't do it. I just can't play the game anymore, and, and so I'm going to sit out, and if I go to hell, I'll go to hell. At least I'll know some people there. And, and so you just... You said, I'm just, I'm just going to sit out because I can't do this anymore. I just can't play the game of Jesus says anymore. And so I want to tell you the great news this morning. If, if, if we could hit a giant delete button, if we could delete everything you've ever heard about spirituality or about following Jesus or Christianity or the church, if we could just hit this enormous delete button and delete everything that you thought you knew and we just gave you the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The accounts of Jesus' life. This, these stories that these men recorded thousands of years ago. Eyewitness accounts of, of people who saw how Jesus lived. If you were just able to pick up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you just started with those, and, and we deleted everything else, you would find that following Jesus is extremely extremely relational. It's like a relationship on steroids. Jesus described it like this. He, he said several times, he said, I've come to you to describe the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This Father, not, not an imperfect Father like me or, or maybe your dad was absent when you were growing up, not like a Father like that, a Father who loves his children, a Father who protects his kids, a Father who wants the best for his children. It's like this Father and child relationship and, and a, a, dad's who, a dad who's engaged in your life, who knows what's going on with your life. It's this relationship. Or, or he said, it's like this vine. I'm the vine and you're the branch. And the vine doesn't say to the branch, hey, you need to produce more bananas or you need to produce more fruit or you need to do this. The vine just gives life to the branch. And if you remain in me and if, if my word remains in you, it's like this life-giving life relationship back and forth. Or, or he said, it, it's like a shepherd who, who takes care of his sheep, which is a bad illustration for us because, because we, we don't know that context very well. But in Jesus' culture, in Jesus' context, he, he said it's like this good shepherd who watches over his sheep. And, and the shepherd, whenever he speaks to the sheep, the sheep hear his voice and they won't follow someone else. And, and those of you who have pets, when you call their name, they come to you. If you have a dog, if you have a cat, I'll pray for you. But, but it, your animals, whenever you, that you come home, they know that you're home. And Jesus said, it's this, this relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. And, and I'm a good shepherd. I actually lay down my life for the sheep. And if a wolf comes or a beast come and they try to attack, I'm going to lay down my life because I care for the sheep. And so Jesus describes this incredible, incredible relationship. And if you've ever thought that Christianity or spirituality or following Jesus or following God was anything more or anything less, then maybe you're looking at it wrong this morning. And so I just want us to take a couple of minutes because we're going to look at this one word that Jesus over and over and over again invites people to. 
And he says this to several people. He, he called rich people and poor people, religious and irreligious people who everyone would have given up on and said, there's no hope for them. Jesus calls all across the spectrum this morning. And he uses this one little word, follow, follow. And if you're taking notes this morning, you can write that down. He just says this one word, follow me, follow me, come on. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what you don't know. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what background you have. I, I'm just inviting you to follow. And so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 9 and, and verse number 9. And Matthew in the gospel, if you, it's right towards the middle a little bit, but I'm, I'm sure you guys can find it. And, and if you don't find it, it'll be up on the screen. But Matthew chapter 9. And beginning at verse number nine, and Matthew is actually the one who is, the guy who wrote the book is telling us a story of his very first encounter with Jesus. And and so Matthew is telling us this story and writing how he first met Jesus and how he decides to follow Jesus. It's an amazing story. So here we go, Matthew chapter nine and verse number nine. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth Because Matthew's a tax collector. Now, what I have to tell you about tax collectors, if you're new to the Bible or if you haven't really studied Scripture very much, and that's totally fine. We're so glad that you're here today. I want you to understand this, that Matthew was a tax collector. And tax collectors were completely and totally hated and despised by the people in the community and in the culture. And the reason that they were was because they were traitors. They were working for Rome. And I tried to think to myself, okay, who would be a good person to compare them to that someone in our culture despised? And the first thing, that, and I mean, I could use all sorts of illustrations, but I don't want to get too graphic in, in church this morning. But people who, who kidnap or take away kids or teenagers and sell them into human trafficking. In our world, in our United States, in our states, in our cities, human trafficking is a major, major problem. And, and when you think of those people who take children who take teenagers, girls and boys, and sell them into human trafficking. You think, man, disgusting. I mean, those people, something needs to happen with them. I mean, I cannot imagine if I lost one of my kids and, and they were sold into human trafficking, what I would do. And so this, just this uh, anger and this angst, and, and that's how Matthew was viewed. He was on the far side of the spectrum. Everyone, if you knew Matthew, you hated him. They hated all the tax collectors because they were working for Rome. And what Rome would do is they would auction off to the highest bidder who ever wanted to collect taxes. It was a very lucrative business. They were making money hand over fist, and so they would charge these taxes, and there were all sorts of taxes, port tax, crossroad tax, wine tax, food tax, property tax. I mean, you think that, that we, we're taxed a lot. I mean, just imagine them. And then these tax collectors, what they would do is they would charge, so let's say Rome is charging 20 bucks for this crossroad tax. Well, Matthew, he would say, okay, Rome will get their cut, but I'm going to charge $40, and I'm going to pocket 20 of that. And so the people knew that these tax collectors were wicked, they were crooks, they were cheats, and so everyone hated the tax collectors. That's very important to our story. So listen to what happens next. Jesus went there, and he saw Matthew at the tax collector booth, and, and Jesus, listen to what he says next, follow me. To the man who is outside of culture, who, who is everyone hates and despises, who everyone looks down upon, he says to Matthew, follow me. And I mean, Jesus would have been justified saying many things. He, he could have walked up to Matthew and said, Matthew, 
I bet your mom's really proud. I mean, things that Jesus could have said, should have said, would have said to Matthew, he says, follow me. And Peter, James, and John, no doubt, are standing there. And I'm sure that through the audience, there was a, what? Did he just say, follow me? Did did Jesus just invite the tax collector, Matthew, to follow him? Are you kidding me? And Peter, James, and John are like, Jesus, he can't follow you because we're with you. And if he's with following you, then that means he's with us and he's not with us because we're not with him. Jesus, we don't want to hang out with this tax collector. There is no way that you're telling him to follow you. Jesus, are you kidding? Because Jesus is a rabbi. So this isn't just the invitation to, hey, let's go grab a Whataburger real quick. This, this is an invitation, let's just walk down the street together. This is an invitation, hey, Matthew, I'm inviting you to be in my group. I'm inviting you to be in my inner circle. I'm inviting you to be close to me. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. It's like this relationship with a father and a son, with a vine and a branch. Matthew, come on. Follow me. And, and so we go on in the story. He told him, and Matthew got up and followed. Matthew gets up from his tax collector's booth, and he follows. And this is extremely, extremely important. Because the invitation that Jesus made to Matthew that day is an invitation that he's made to you and to me. Are we willing to follow? And look where they go. Look where they go. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Okay, hold on, Jesus. We were just walking down the street, and now we're at Matthew's house. We're at Matthew's house. Do you know the kind of people that hang out at Matthew's house, Jesus? They're, They're inside of his house. Other tax collectors, Jesus. Other sinners. There is no way that we can go into Jesus' house. And Peter, James, and John and the rest of the guys are standing outside, and they're like, you go in. No, you go in. If my mom knew we were here, we would be so busted. There is no way that we can go inside of a tax collector's house. Are you kidding me? And so the question is, Are we willing to follow Jesus wherever? And Jesus gives this invitation to Matthew, and he says, Matthew, I'm going to make it easy on you. I'm not going to ask you to go to the synagogue. I'm not going to ask you to go somewhere else. I'm going to ask you to just just go to your house. Let's go somewhere where you're comfortable. Matthew, let's go somewhere where it might ruin my reputation, but it might give us an opportunity to start a conversation. Matthew, let's... Let's go to your house. And so they're at Matthew's house, and listen it. While they were having dinner at Matthew's house, many, (laughs) many tax collectors and sinners were there. Many tax collectors and sinners were there. Why? Because Matthew hung out with other tax collectors and sinners because they were rejected by the rest of society. And so these were people who didn't offer sacrifices to God. These were people who were not religious at all because they weren't allowed into the temple. They weren't allowed to offer sacrifices to God because of how unclean they were. They were saying, let's live, let's eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're gonna die and we're probably going to hell anyway, so let's just do whatever we want right now. And so Jesus goes inside with these tax collectors and sinners. 
Jesus was very comfortable, and, and this is important, so listen up, especially if you're new to Christianity or you're, you're checking us out and you don't know if you really believe in the Bible, you don't know if you really believe in God or believe in Jesus. This is extremely, extremely important. Check this out. Jesus was extremely comfortable with people that he was nothing like. And people who were nothing like Jesus were extremely comfortable with him. I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus was extremely comfortable with people that he was nothing like. He is the son of God. He walks into Matthew's house, and no doubt, I mean, they're singing. The food is coming, right? The food is coming out. Wine is flowing. The DJ's on the board, and he's singing, welcome to my house. Turn the music too loud. We don't have to go. Okay, some of you know that song, don't you? All right. You're like, are you supposed to sing that in church? That's what's happening in Matthew's house. They're celebrating. They're, they're having a great time. They're using language that none of us would use. They're, they're saying things. They're acting in ways that none of us would act. And Jesus, the son of God, is in Matthew's house because he's extremely comfortable. Have you ever met someone who's so comfortable that they make you feel comfortable? They're so comfortable in their own skin. They're so winsome. They're so likable that, that you feel comfortable around them. All of your walls, all of your barriers, all of, all of the things that you try to build around yourself, they just kind of go down when you're around this person because, because you know that there's no judgment there of who you are. And the people that Jesus was nothing like loved him. I mean, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They would travel over mountains. They would go all over the Jordan and Galilee and, and places for miles and miles and miles just to be around Jesus. And so he's in the house, and, and he's being shadowed because Jesus is always being shadowed by the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They're always trying to trip him up. They're always trying to figure out something that they can accuse or point their finger out. So the Pharisees are coming down. They're on their cell phones. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus is down here in the rich part of the, the city. Yeah, he's, he's going into Matthew's house. Okay, hey, text the picture. See, walk. he's watching. He's walking into Matthew's house, and they have this whole conversation. They're taking notes, and they're getting ready to walk into Matthew's house, and Matthew's like, no, 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 Pharisees, you're not allowed in the house. You're not. You can stand outside. And so the Pharisees grab some of Jesus' disciples as they're going in, and they say, hey, listen to what they say. They say this. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees are scratching their head. They're like, okay, Matthew, Mark, or, or Peter, James, John, we're, we're confused here. Why is it, I mean, Jesus is a rabbi, yes. He's a holy man. We're, we're holy men. He, he, he worships God. We worship God. Why is it that we have so much in common with Jesus but it seems like Jesus is hanging out with people he has nothing in common with. Why is that? Why is it that, shouldn't he be hanging out with us? I mean, shouldn't he be like us? We're very religious. We obey the law. He obeys the law. I mean, come on. Why aren't we hanging out with Jesus instead of tax collectors and sinners? Why is that? And Jesus knows that there's this disturbance that's going on outside. And he leans over to James, and this is what he said. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It, James, go out there and tell them, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. 
and I don't know how this goes down. This is just how my imagination works because Matthew's sitting there. And I think Jesus said this out loud. He wasn't using sign language or some secret code. I mean, he says this out loud. Hey, yeah, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And Matthew stands up. I'm just picturing this in my mind. He stands up. The music stops. Everyone puts their drinks down. And and everyone's looking at Matthew. And and Matthew's like, hey, Jesus, hold on a second. Are are you, they're out there. And and are you saying they're healthy? And me and my friends, my tax collector friends, we're we're all inside of here. And you're inside with us because they're healthy and they don't need a doctor. But we're, are are you saying we're sick? And I don't know how this went down. I think Jesus was, again, just so so personable, so just comfortable in his own skin that he just looks at Matthew and smiles and he's like, Matthew, you're a tax collector. Of course you're sick. And all of his friends are high-fiving. Yeah, we're sick. We're sick. We're sick. Yeah, high-five, Matthew. We're sick. Chest bump. I mean, they're just, they're celebrating. They're like, yeah, we're sick. Because I, I think, now, now, listen up. I, I think, I mean, let's be honest. It doesn't matter how many selfies you post. It doesn't matter how much you filter your photos. When you lay your head down at night, you know there's something wrong with you. You know we're sick. You know that, that we need something. If this is all that life has to offer, you know, I mean, even if you're brand new to Christianity, you know that when you came to Jesus, there was something wrong. That when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you know that there's something going on, an emptiness inside of you. You know you're sick, church. And Jesus, who is so comfortable, he looks at Matthew and he says, Matthew, come on, you know you're sick. I mean, church, we we don't even obey our own rules. We we don't even keep the standards that we set for ourselves. We we dads, moms, we we don't even do what, what sometimes we ask our kids to do. We're not even consistent with our employees, employers, are we? I mean, with the standards that we set on other people, we don't always even follow the, our own rules. We, we, don't, we, know that there, we know that if Jesus is the standard, we fall short. We know that if there's a judgment, we're in trouble. And, and Jesus looks at Matthew and he says, Matthew, come on. Matthew, you know you're sick. And, and, and here's the great news. Only the people who are willing to look in the mirror and say, yeah, if I'm honest, there is something wrong with me. Only the moms, only the dads, only the college students, only the high school students, only the people who are willing to look and say, you know what? That might be a little bit offensive, but you're right. When it's just me, I mean, no doubt, Matthew has money and money and money. He has women all around the house. I mean, he, he's in the rich part. He's a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. And he has everything, but when he lays his head, when everyone's left, when all the drinks are gone, when all the girls are gone, and Matthew is just alone with himself, I think Matthew knew, you know what? Something's wrong. There has to be more to this life than just this life. 
And Jesus has offended Matthew and his friends, but he's not done offending. This is what he goes on to say because he's Jesus. And so he says this to the Pharisees. Go and learn what this means. And the Pharisees, they spent their whole life learning. And so for Jesus to tell them, hey, go and learn something. These guys had the Old Testament all the way from Genesis to Malachi memorized, right? Backwards and forwards. Some of you will get that later. So they had that memorized. I mean, they could quote scripture after scripture after scripture. They knew the text. They knew the law. They knew the Torah. They knew all of it. They could, they could quote it to you. And Jesus says, hey, guys, go learn this. And he quotes from the prophet Hosea. And this is what he says. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. Some translations, to call the sinner to repentance. I haven't come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. What Jesus is really saying is this. Church, listen up. This is important. If you've been on your phone, you're still trying to figure out the pay, give thing, push pay. Put it down for a second. All right, check this out. Jesus says, I am not content with just hanging out with the people who believe the right way and behave the right way and then stop there. I'm not content with people to to just hang out with people who believe the right things, all of the right things, and behave all of the right ways and just simply stop there. I've not come just to call and be around the righteous and those who, who have it all together. I've actually come for the broken and the sinner and the hurting and the marginalized and the disenfranchised and those that all of society wants to push to the sides and forget about. And I don't want to have to think about that. And I don't want to have to talk about that. And I don't want to have to look at that. And I don't want to have to go to that side of the town. I don't want to do that. Jesus says, that's where I want to go. And church, this is just a warning, especially to me. We dare not become a church that just believes the right things and behaves the right ways, and then we stop there. Because if we do, we will find ourselves outside of the very places that Jesus has gone to, to come and call, come and call, come and call, come and call the sinner and the broken and the hurting. And Jesus says, I'm not here just to believe everything that's right. I'm not here just to behave everything that's right. I'm here actually to be with the broken and the hurting. And church, that's the kind of people that we've been called to be. We've been invited to partner with our Savior, to go to places, to, in, to invite people, to come and call people, to say, hey, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what I've experienced. Come and see what it's like to follow Jesus. So come and see what I've experienced. Just four quick things, and and I'm going to be done here. Four quick things about following Jesus is just simply this. The first one is being a sinner doesn't disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. Following Jesus, being a sinner doesn't disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. Every single person that Jesus, all throughout the gospel, he calls to follow him, they were sinners, They were people who fell short. They were not up to the standards. They did not meet the religious quota. He calls the sinners, which this is great news because that invitation is for every single one of us. The ones that were excluded were the people who thought they had it all together. They looked just right. They talked just right. They did everything just right. They offered the sacrifices just right. They paid their tithes just right. They had it all together. Jesus, those people, the invitation was there, but none of them ever follow. It's only the people that were messed up, broken, hurting, rejects, that no one else wanted to talk to, no one else wanted to associate with. Jesus said, 
Come on. Come on, follow me. Follow me. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome to follow me, which means this, church, just simply this. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no sin. There's no habit. There's no addiction. There's no illness. There's no brokenness in your life that excludes you from the circle of following Jesus. There's nothing that you can do. And here's the thing. You might be saying, Michael, you don't know me. You don't know what I did over spring break. You don't know what I did this past weekend. You don't know what I wish I could have done this past weekend. That's okay. Jesus knows, and he still looks at you, and he says, come on. Come on. Just take one step. Just take one step. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I'm not asking you to do anything. Matthew, we're just going to your house. Come on. Just, just follow. Follow me. The second thing is this, and this is even hard for me to say. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. You might be sitting here or you're watching online today and you're like, Michael, I don't even believe all that stuff. I don't even believe in the Bible. So, do you know in the Gospels, Jesus' closest followers, his 12, they're two years in, not six months, not a trial period, not 90 days and, and we'll see if we like this or not. They're two years in and Jesus does something and it says, and they believed. <laughs> well, what have they been doing for the past two years? Not believing. Jesus' closest followers over and over and over again, Jesus keeps saying to them, hey, stop, un stop with your unbelief. Believe, believe, believe. And the disciples are like, we're trying to believe. Even the thing that we celebrated last week, do you know that one of Jesus' followers became famous because he was an unbeliever? Doubting, doubting Thomas, right? God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. Doubting Thomas, he's in the Bible, all right? That's just a little extra for you this morning, Okay. Doubting Thomas. Thomas shows up with the disciples. He wasn't there when Jesus appeared the first time. And Thomas says this, I'm not going to believe. And I don't believe, you guys, unless I touch my fingers and I put them where those nails went in his hands. Unless I put my hand in his side where that Roman centurion pierced him and all of the blood and water flowed, I'm not going to believe. Unless I see, then I'm not going to believe. And Jesus appears to Thomas. And he says, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas falls on his knees and says, my Lord, my God. And he believes. So these guys were people who had followed him. Even as people, I mean, even in the Gospels where Jesus is ascending back to heaven, it says, and some of them did not believe. Oh, my God. All right. He died, he's resurrected, he's going up to the sky, no one else has done that, and you're still struggling with believing. Okay, so I want to let you know, if you don't believe, you're in good company. Just start following, just take one step towards Jesus and see what happens. You don't have to believe the Bible, you don't have to believe in Jesus, just at least just take the four Gospels and just say, okay, I'm just going to start with one chapter, one verse, something. I'm just going to read one story and I'm going to take one step towards Jesus. Jesus says, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll meet you just where you are, right where you are. I'll take that. The third thing is just simply this. The invitation to follow is purely an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to relationship, church. It's not an invitation to follow the Ten Commandments. It's not an invitation to jump through this hoop, to jump through that hoop. It's an invitation to follow Jesus in a relationship. You guys know this. Parents, you know this. Rules 
without a relationship equal rebellion. That's for free this morning, parents. Rules without a relationship, and I'm not saying don't have any rules in your house. I'm saying rules, and then you don't have a relationship with your kids. You're not engaged with your kids. You're not, uh, you don't know what they like. You don't know what they're doing. You're not involved in their life. Rules without relationship equals always, I promise you, you can take this to the bank, rebellion. If all of you have is rules and there's no relationship, your kids are going to rebel. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not calling you to just follow a bunch of rules. I'm not calling you to follow a whole bunch of guidelines. I'm calling you to follow me. And if you follow me for long enough, you're going to change. One day you might look in the mirror and you might not recognize yourself because anyone who follows me eventually changes. See, the Pharisees had it this way. They said, change and you can join us. Change and then you can join us. Jesus said, no, I don't play your game. He came and flipped it upside down and he said, follow me and you'll change. Follow me for long enough and you'll begin to change. Transformation will begin to happen in your life because you're following Jesus, right? When I met my wife, and it's funny, someone this morning, they're like, I really like your wife. And I'm like, so do I. That's really cool. <laughs> when I met my wife, it changed me. It changed what I spent my time on. It changed how I spent my money or how she spent my money. It changed, it changed what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do. I mean, when I fell in love with her, it, it didn't matter what all my friends were doing. I wanted to be where Linnell was at. And it's that same way with us. If you've ever been in love, men, if you've ever been in love, women, your, your whole, everything you do changes when you fall in love. Why? Because you want to be with that person. And if you'll fall in love with Jesus, you'll begin to see, I'm just taking one step to follow this invitation to a relationship. Last thing, worship team, if you guys want to come and help me and, and we'll be done, is just simply this. Following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you're not. F following Jesus forces me to focus on where Michael Escamilla is and not where you are. I, if I'm following, if I'm actively following Jesus' church, I don't have time to judge what she's doing, to judge what he posted. Did you, did you see their photo? Did you see what they said? Did you do this? I, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I, I'm focused on following Jesus. I don't have time to see how much better or I think that I am of a Christian than you are. There, there's no time. There's no comparison in that moment. It's me. I'm following Jesus. I have, I'm focusing on what he's called me to. I'm focusing on who he's called me to be. And, and so that's why Jesus says to Peter, whenever he's walking with him on the beach, because Peter automatically, what does he want to do? Jesus, what about him? What about John? And Jesus says, Peter, what's that have to do with you? You follow me. Stop worrying about everybody else. Stop getting in everybody else's business. Peter, you just follow me. And so his call, when he, we decide to follow, it takes the focus on all of the other junk around me, and it just allows me to say, okay, Jesus, wherever you want me to go, I'm going to go. Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Jesus, wh wh wherever it is, it, and again, Jesus says, hey, just take one step. Just take one step towards me. Because there's some of you here this morning, and maybe you've been checking out Bethesda for several months, but you've never committed your life to Christ. You've never said, okay, I'm going to follow him. I'm all in. I'm putting all of me on all of Jesus. I'm all in. And, and, and that's okay. 
I just want to invite you to keep coming back, to keep following. If, if that's the only step you can take is right now, is just coming here on a Sunday morning, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with you starting there because I want you to know Jesus loves you. Jesus has invited you into relationship. And church, if you've been doing this for 30 years, you've been following Jesus for 30 years, or maybe you've only been following Jesus for two weeks, the invitation is for all of us to continue to follow, to actively be following Jesus. Not, did I pray this week? Did I read my Bible? Did I cross all my T's? Did I dot all my I's? Did I do everything, all, all of Did I get it all perfect? No, Jesus is just saying, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna stumble. You're gonna fall, but it's okay. There's forgiveness. There's grace. Come on, follow me. If you'll just bow your head and close your eyes just for one minute, and I promise this is it, and then we're gonna close. If you're here this morning, and you're just saying, you know what, Michael? I'm not following. And this could be for you. You're, you don't claim to be a Christian, or maybe you've been doing, you would say, hey, I've been a Christian for several years, but if I'm honest, I'm not following. And, and I want to make a commitment this week to say, I want to take one step towards Jesus. Or maybe it's two or three or four. But Michael, I, I want to follow and what you were saying up there this morning, it really hit home with me because it feels like Jesus is calling me to follow. And maybe he's been calling you, but you've been ignoring or you're just saying, I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or I don't know enough of the Bible or, or when I get all of my stuff together, then I'll do it. But, but I can't do it right now. But if that's you, if you'll just slip up your hand and then you can put it right back down, just slip it up and put it right back down. Anyone in the balcony, anybody. Thank you, guys. Anyone else? Thank you. And church, if you'll stand with me this morning. And I'm going to close us in prayer here. But if you're a follower of Christ and, and you would say, yeah, I'm, I'm following Jesus and I want to follow Jesus. This week, I want to do better at that. Will you just place your hands like this? And I just want to pray a prayer of blessing. Just, just put your hands out to receive this morning from the Lord. God, we, we hold our hands out today. And so many times we, we understand we get this wrong. But Lord, thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. We want to be a church that doesn't just believe all of the right things and behave all of the right ways, but then not partner with you to call others to come and to follow you. And God, I pray for every man and woman, every student, every single person, every young adult, every college student, God, that you would use us this week as we follow you, that we would extend the invitation to others. Give us the boldness and the courage, God, to speak out, to step out, and to be a blessing, and to invite people to this incredible relationship to follow Jesus. Help us, God just like was said earlier, to be your light, to be your salt, to be a city that's set on a hill that can't be hidden. God, help us to extend the invitation to the Matthews in our community, to the Matthews in our lives. Lord, there's no person that's too far gone that you're not able to help. And so God, I pray that we would be willing, we would walk around with eyes wide open to invite others around us. And God, for those who raise their hand to say, I wanna follow, 
Lord, I pray that today and this week you'll give them the courage just to take one step towards you, one step towards you, Jesus, to follow you with all of their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. God, give them the courage and the wisdom to know what to do next. We bless you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.